give us, and the DMV take us our way. You mustn't fuck with the Department of Motor Vehicles, Mr. Anderson. We can make your life a living hell. everyone and welcome back to another episode of so five minutes ago the podcast where we talk about the movies that make us want to get out of our dreams and into our cars we're your hosts kate <laughs> and shannon hey <laughs> get in the back seat baby <laughs> how dare you not. <laughs> this is my car you get in the back seat you get in the back seat <laughs> today we are talking about the 1988 two Corey's movie license to drive this is another one of those movies that I grew up watching because my brother rented it over and over again from the video <laughs> store. I remember seeing it so many times. It also really put the fear of God in me about taking my driving test. <laughs> and by the way, I failed my first driving test for being too cautious. Bull crap. Wow. Absolute bull crap. Never heard of that before. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Shannon, what is your history with this movie? And. How was your driving test? Oh, um, I never saw this movie uh, until about three years ago, four years ago. Wow. I Yeah, just it was never on my radar. So um, the first time I watched it, I was like, mm-hmm, okay, right. <laughs> driving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's, it's a good uh, solid 80s movie as far as like fashion and... 80s pop culture references and all that yeah. stuff so it was and still hijinks. good lots of yes. hijinks oh yeah. yeah um my driving test i okay so my dad basically told me because i learned to drive on a standard stick shift mm-hmm. that he said you've already passed your driving test before you even pull out of the parking lot because once they see that they know that it took you longer to learn it right so um and I, and I think he was right, honestly, because the guy took me around a 25-mile-an-hour neighborhood for about three minutes. We went back to the parking lot. I parallel parked for him, and that was it. It oh was so easy. Seriously. <laughs> and he was a state trooper, too. Wow. Yeah. So, so you got Natalie's driving test. <laughs> yes. I, 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I took mine, uh, my first driving test in downtown Pomona, which is a very... Um, busy urban city um, Mm -hmm. with very small old streets. Yes. And I, my mom told me uh, just make sure that when you're driving to like really demonstrate, you know, before you pull out that you're looking right and left and before you change lanes, like really like look over your shoulder so that the, the instructor can see that you are doing these things, you know, <laughs> instead of just like glancing. And I took that really seriously. <laughs> so at every stop, I like stopped, looked right, left, right, left. And I think yeah. that's why the thing, the uh, yeah. instructor was like, yeah, you're being too cautious. You Aww. failed. And I was like, what? So, wow. but my second driving test was very much like yours. It was like a five minute, just drive around some streets and parallel park and turn a corner. And it's like, all right, you're done. Yeah. Goodness. They don't even make kids parallel park anymore. Beat it and have to. Also, her instructor 
told her not to look over her shoulder at her blind spot. What? She yeah. She had she showed her this new way to set her mirrors, which I actually have adopted. Mm-hmm. Um so you set your side mirror and you set your rearview mirror different from what we learned. Yeah. And it makes it almost so that you have no blind spot at all. Come and so on. yeah, so <laughs> she told my daughter, she said you don't need to look over your shoulder. It's too dangerous to do that and rely on your mirrors. So things have changed. Also, it's not 10 and 2 anymore. It's 4 and... S- four and four eight? 8? 4 and... Yeah. 4 and 8. Yeah. That makes sense. Better control over the wheel. That's how I drive anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, As always, let's talk about some behind-the-scenes trivia before we dive into this movie. This is the second of the two Corey's movies, uh, starring both Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, the first being The Lost Boys, which we covered in episode six of this podcast. Speaking of Lost Boys, I need to make a correction here up top. In that previous episode, I mentioned that Corey Feldman was fired from the set of Lost Boys because he had a cocaine habit. I recently read Corey Feldman's autobiography, and (laughs) he talks about that experience. So the correction is that he was fired briefly from the set because he was unable to perform due to coming down off coke, but it was the first time that he'd ever tried it, so it wasn't exactly a habit at that point. Uh, He was rehired the next day when he promised to get his craft together, and it was a while before he tried coke again. So not a coke habit on Lost Boys. Okay. However, However. (laughs) according to Corey Feldman's book, by the time they shot this movie, both Corey's were deep into using drugs. (laughs) Like to the point that they'd go on multi-day benders and would oversleep and show up late, like hours late to the set. Wow. Also, maybe this explains why Corey Haim is so sweaty throughout this entire movie. (laughs) He admitted in a Larry King interview that he was on drugs pretty much the whole time filming this. So. Yeah. Okay. I believe it. Fun quick aside. Shannon, <laughs> do you want to try to guess the name of Corey Feldman's autobiography? I'll uh, give you I'll give you two hints. Okay. It's a pun on his name. And if you think about what he likes to do, you'll get okay. it. Okay, so it's gotta be something about Michael Jackson, right? Close. Uh, um dancing, singing. It's a pun on Feldman? It's a pun on Corey. It's a pun on Corey. Corey's story, <laughs> the singing Feldman. <laughs> That's so good. That's actually really good. But it's choreography. Oh, Spelled my Corey, like gosh. his name. <laughs> choreography. Wow. Do we think that that was his idea? I do. I honestly highly recommend this book. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. After you and your husband both uh, sing its praises, I think I'm going to have to read it. Yeah. I got it from the library and he picked it up one day when I was getting ready to return it. it was like, is this any good? And I said, yeah, it's actually pretty good. And he read it in two days. It's, <laughs> and I, I'm, I think Corey Feldman wrote the whole thing, but it's well written. The story is good. It's like you get to know him so well. I don't yeah. know. Highly recommend if yeah. you're like a, you know, 80s, 90s pop culture fan. Yeah. Um, okay, and then also while the Corys both had drug habits at this time, neither of them had driver's licenses when they started filming. Corey Haim turned 16 in the middle of shooting this movie. Uh, <laughs> both Ben Affleck and Corey Feldman auditioned for the role, the lead role of Les Anderson. Also in consideration for this movie, director John Hughes 
who would have cast Anthony Michael Hall in the role of Les and Molly Ringwald as Mercedes. Oh, hmm. That would, that would have been a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. Way more chill, for yeah. sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the title of this movie was almost To Live and Drive in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Germany, it was released under the title Daddy's Cadillac. <laughs> and like, really not Daddy's Caddy. Aww. Missed opportunity, Germany. For real. Jeez. I know. All right. Let's get into this movie. We open with a title sequence featuring some traffic signs and cute typography in a very bastardized version of the Beatles song, Drive My Car. And I am not including a clip because, frankly, it sucks. Yes. Um, unfortunately, I think we're looking at yet another 80s movie with little to nothing in the kitty for the soundtrack budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our first shot, we see a school bus full of zombie-looking teens Everyone has pale, dark circles, or is pale with dark circles under their eyes, and then the windows of the bus are all caked with dirt. The camera pans down the row of seats where we see everyone's feet are shackled to the school bus floor. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Um, as a bus rider, every year of my life until I was 16 and got my license, I can confirm this is in fact exactly how it feels to ride the bus to school every day. <laughs> you feel sad. like a prisoner. It smells like exhaust. It's awful. I hated it. (laughs) That makes me sad for you. (laughs) Um, So we get to Corey Haim, who is trying to fire, trying to use a file to break free of his shackles. Hey, do you love it when Corey Haim is slack jawed with his tongue sticking out? Mm -hmm. I hope. I hope so, because it starts in second, like second one of this movie and never, ever stops. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to see a lot of it. A lot of Corey Haynes' tongue. Uh, Corey, whose name is Les in this movie, wipes uh, off the dirty window to see a beautiful teen girl in the passenger seat of a red sports car parked next to them. As the bus lurches forward, Les breaks his chains and runs to the back of the bus where he dives through the emergency exit window, rolls onto the street, jumps up, and starts running. Would be so dead in real life. The bus flips a Yui and chases Les. He runs over to the sports car and skids to a stop in his high tops on asphalt. I am very interested to know how they accomplish this stunt in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just I think, so much traction. <laughs> yeah, I think it may have something to do with pea gravel, although we can't see it. But I bet you that's what it was. Mm-hmm. To Yeah, to make like a little slippery mm-hmm. surface. Because, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, He jumps in the driver's seat and speeds away with the beautiful girl as the bus chases them down the street. He's doing all kinds of stunt driving down an alley when we hear a driver instructor film voiceover. Oh, what the crap? Les has fallen asleep in his driver's training class and it was all a dream. (laughs) Back in class, Les is writing, I will drive safely over and over on the blackboard, Bart Simpson style. And he runs out the front door of the school just in time to see the bus fly by. (laughs) He misses his bus. And he sees his sister wave at him through the window as the bus pulls away. Just then, the sports car from his dream pulls up to pick up the beautiful girl from his dream outside the school. 
This girl is Heather Graham, and her hair is effing magical. (laughs) Truly. It is just big, bushy, blonde. Man, it looks so soft, but it Mm -hmm. also holds its shape. She must be a witch. (laughs) Yeah. Because I cannot accomplish this. (laughs) No, it's like beautiful, just soft, curly, Mm -hmm. like full of body. Oh, my gosh. She gets into the sports car with a guy who is presumably her boyfriend and who is, of course, say it with me now, a grown-ass grown man. man. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was so like, are they serious? Man. Yeah. Could be her dad. Yeah. Looks like he could be her dad. <laughs> Someone call the police. This is not okay. <laughs> While Les watches all this happen, his friend Dean, played by Corey Feldman, speeds up on his bike. Uh, it should be noted here and going forward that Corey Feldman chose all of his own wardrobe for this movie. Adorable. And I know. And here he's just wearing like a black jacket and army green cargo pants. And I actually really like this outfit, mm-hmm. but we'll see if that opinion remains throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The Corey's set up our conflict for this film. You know, Dean, I can't help wondering. It's never going to get that good for me. Anderson. The only difference between you and that greaseball is that he has a license and you don't. Uh, Dean offers to give Les a ride home on his handlebars. Uh, R.I.P. Les's butt, I guess. <laughs> Have you ever ridden on handlebars? No. Oh, too scared. Hard pass. So uncomfortable. Dean goes careening through an idyllic 80s neighborhood and skids to a stop dumping Les on his front lawn. In the driveway, they see a beautiful seafoam green Cadillac. Mm. We learn it belongs to Les's grandpa, who is borrowing Les's dad's car for a long road trip. Dean says they should take the caddy out on Saturday night. Les's dad, Mr. Anderson, says no way, but Dean is welcome to stay and help them move some boxes in the garage to make room for the Cadillac. (laughs) Dean fakes a cough saying he'd love to, but he's allergic to dust. And as someone who just had a blood test to confirm that she is majorly (laughs) allergic to dust mites, I am triggered and I am offended. (laughs) Yes, you should be. And anyone who doesn't believe in it should see a video of you aggressively vacuuming your couch (laughs) three times a week. (laughs) (laughs) Just to keep your face from itching. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Mr. Anderson is played by Richard Mazur. Uh, Is that how you say his name? Mazur? Mazur? I thought it was Mazur, but now I don't know. See, I've always heard it Mazur. Anyway, uh, he has been in so many things, Mm -hmm. but I recognize him as Phil Saltonfuss from My Girl 2. (laughs) Uncle Saltonfuss! (laughs) He's amazing. Les asks if he can borrow his mom's car Saturday night. His dad says that he needs to get his license first and then they'll talk. And like, yeah, what? On what planet does he get to borrow his mom's car without a license? (laughs) Yeah, but I think he totally plans on having his license by then because he's just overly confident. Yeah. Like he basically feels like he has it already. Totally. Uh, All right. So inside we join Les's mom, his sister and his little brother around the family dinner table. Mrs. Anderson, the pregnant mom, is played by Carol Kane. I don't care what else is happening as long as I get to watch Carol Kane because I love her. Yes, solidly agree. Although she's way toned down in this role. Yeah, yeah. They didn't really let her like full gallop, but she is, oh, she is such a delight. Yes. In a typical pregnant woman eats weird food gag, uh, she dishes up a giant plate of mashed potatoes and tops it with ketchup. Now... Okay, 
I've always remembered this scene. I think about it pretty often, actually. Hmm. And everyone at the table reacts like this is disgusting, but I think this looks not that bad. I mean, this yeah. isn't like when Burt Cooper eats cottage cheese with ketchup on Mad uh. Men. I know. <laughs> but I eat my potato pancakes with ketchup, so I'd be willing to try this. I don't mm-hmm. know. What say you? Um, I think it's basically the equivalent of eating home fries with ketchup. So right. it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I want to know if any of our listeners have tried this or agree that it looks pretty good. So mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, let's do an Instagram poll. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Check that out at so five minutes ago pod on Instagram. We'll do a poll about this. Also, I love the sweater that she's wearing in this scene. It is beautiful. <laughs> um, all right. So Les and his freaking gaping maw are trying to <laughs> convince his dad to buy him a BMW for his first car. Les's twin sister, who somehow looks three years older than he does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is a liberal communist who thinks that cars, something, capitalism, blah, blah, equals an oppressive society. I don't know. Uh, Outside in the driveway, a car pulls up and starts honking. Les says that's his ride, but his mom tells him to park his keister meester because dinner ain't (laughs) over. So Les sits down and happily continues eating until... Les's quote ride is Dean's mom who is driving them to a typical 80s rager. And hey, guess if this party looks like no actual party that has ever occurred in real life? Yeah, it does. It's an 80s rich kid house with a ton of teens and nice cars all over the lawn. Mm Mm-mm. Inside the party, the boys, uh, plus some other kid named Charles, who is their friend, who is also supposed to be a nerd, but I love how he's dressed. Yeah, again, the nerd thing doesn't really play out here because he looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, he's kind of dressed like preppy chic. Yeah. Like, it's just he has glasses, so we're yeah. like, oh, he's a nerd. <laughs> and he, I think he tells his mom he loves her when she drops him off. Oh, so what a also dork. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're all playing some game where they're looking around at all the girls at the party and trying to guess what kind of car they lose their virginity in. I don't know. It's a weak premise for a game. Yeah. But then Les sees his dream girl from earlier, Heather Graham, and her magical curly doll hair look upset. Her name is Mercedes Lane. Mercedes and her creepy 32-year-old Italian vampire boyfriend, Paolo, (laughs) are fighting. Uh, She says she just remembered that she has a date with someone else on Saturday night. And when he asks who, she does the old, uh, this guy, and points to the nearest guy who happens to be Les. Why doesn't anyone ever call someone out when they do this in movies or TV? Mm -hmm. It is just so clearly lying. (laughs) Yeah. And also, Paolo is so old. These weird high school games of like... I'm hanging out with someone else. They just don't work on adult men because the men just move on. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he wouldn't fall for this because he is the advantage of being alive for all of time because he's a vampire. (laughs) So Um, the next day after school, Dean and Charles convince Les to ask Mercedes if she was serious about them going out on Saturday night. Mercedes is sitting nearby looking like a quintessential 80s dream girl. Mm aforementioned magic hair, black leather jacket, white crop top, acid wash miniskirt, and white slouchy ankle booties. Mm. 
ask six, six-year-old me to design a dream outfit and this is what it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's camera ready for like an advertorial spread in Sassy Magazine. Completely, <laughs> She's yes. beautiful. Yeah. As Les approaches her, his dad pulls up in Grandpa's Cadillac. Embarrassed, Les walks away and, asks, or, and acts like he doesn't know his dad. But when his dad catches up and offers to let him practice driving in the Cadillac, Les is all cool with him again. Teens are such turds. True. <laughs> Goodness. While Les is driving through their neighborhood, they spot Mercedes walking home. Les begs his dad to get out of the car and let him drive by Mercedes alone. He also asks him to take the bags of Pampers out of the backseat and take them with him. And he does. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, dad seems like a pushover now, but just wait. I know. And I guess this is kind of a cool move to like, you know, let his son go impress a girl. But like, if this was my dad, he would just be like, no, leave the diapers in the backseat. You can drive for three minutes and come back. Uh, let's see. Also, the song playing under this scene is Mercedes Boy by Pebbles. Do you want to ride in my Mercedes Boy? That song. Yeah. And while that is a great song, I do not appreciate the implications of the lyrics. Do you want to ride in my Mercedes Boy? Mm. Playing over a scene about a girl named Mercedes. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't clock that. Yeah. Uh, Les pulls up to Mercedes and offers to give her a ride home. She gets in and Les gets the big thumbs up from dad, who's standing on the corner with an armful of diapers. But, uh uh-oh. Okay, so which house is yours? Third one on the left. Okay. But I'm not going home. Where are you going? To a friend's house in Cedarwood. You don't mind, do you? Oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. Les does drop her off and confirms their date for Saturday night. She says, sure, and they exchange numbers. Les circles back to find Mr. Anderson trudging down the street, hauling bags and boxes of diapers. His dad is drenched in sweat and pissed. (laughs) And like, I fully understand the rage, but maybe go to the doctor if you get this sweaty after walking a couple blocks with a few bags of diapers. Uh, Take care of yourself, dad. You have a baby on the way. (laughs) Yes, but okay. Everyone in this movie is so sweaty always. Mm -hmm. Like... (laughs) I'm just assuming that it's May in Southern California. They're having one of these two-week triple-digit benders. Um, also, all the plastic bags have broken, so Mr. Anderson's carrying these, like, three awkward, huge boxes of diapers in his arms. That's it's, true. It's rough. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, everyone is so sweaty. It does very much look like California summer. <laughs> yep. Uh, back at home, Les is getting an earful from his dad, phrasing, uh, while his mom does prenatal <laughs> yoga in the background. <laughs> I also did prenatal yoga to a VHS tape. It may have been this tape. It was lovely. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it sounds lovely. It was very relaxing. Uh, yeah, that sounds nice. And good for your health. Yeah. Later up in Les's room, Dean and Charles are quizzing Les on his upcoming driving test. Hey, did I mention that Les has a driving test coming up? I can't believe I haven't because it's all he freaking talks about. <laughs> Dean is lecturing Les about potentially blowing a shot. Ooh, phrasing. At, <laughs> <laughs> at a driving test by driving without a license when he's interrupted by Les's sister's commie classical music and decides to yell at her through the intercom. Natalie! Hey, Natalie! 
I was wondering, if you're driving 55 miles per hour and you collide with a runaway train, would it make any improvements on your face? <laughs> Good luck on your exam tomorrow, Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, between the Goonies in this movie and his book, I'm really becoming a Corey Feldman fan. <laughs> Plus, if you haven't heard any of his recent music, do yourself a favor and look up his song Ascension Millennium. Mm. You will not be able to forget it. Okay. Now it's Saturday, driving test day, and we're at the DMV where Les and his sister and a bunch of other people are taking the written portion of their exams. Except it's not actually written. It's done on old Apple computers, the kind with like green text on black screens. I remember watching the scene when I was young and being super excited to take my written test via computer like this, but my written test was actually handwritten and yeah. I was disappointed. <laughs> so was mine. And I call bullcrap on the DMV having 40 Apple computers, which were state of the art at the time. <laughs> no way. And not only that, but they're they're in the movie, they're like this thing where it's a multiple choice. And then instead of a keyboard, they're just big plastic buttons that say oh, A, yeah. B, or C. And you click one of them and it lights up. Yeah, absolutely yeah, no. not. <laughs> <laughs> the proctor tells them that if they get five incorrect answers, they fail. Les is cocky and champing on gum like a gosh darn cow until he gets his second answer wrong and starts to panic. He's sweating through his test as his, his sister happily finishes her test early and leaves the test room. Les does get his fifth answer incorrect and fails. He gets mad and bangs on his computer, causing all the computers in the testing area to short out and turn off. Then, this absolutely amazing proctor delivers some news to Les. Mr. Anderson, oh, Mr. Anderson, you can thank your sister for this one. I can? Uh-huh. Due to a computer malfunction, we are unable to search the system's memory for your test results. However, since your sister received a perfect score, we are going to pass you and allow you to take your own test. I mean, how different can you and your twin sister actually be? Oh, gosh. I love this actor's choice to deliver her lines like this. But yeah, friggin' right. This would never happen in a million years. Like, oh, totally. We all know the DMV's reputation for being fam famously lenient and making oh, things yeah. super easy on everyone. Oh, for sure. You definitely don't have to wait five months to get an appointment. And then when you have an appointment, you still have to wait two hours in a line outside in the sun to get in. For sure. <laughs> uh, this proctor is outside of DMV space and time, by the way. Um, <laughs> aside from her glorious makeup... Did you see the beautiful stopwatch hanging from a string of pearls around her mm. neck? And she's serving like trunchbull realness with her all brown skirt suit. I love yeah. it. With like a little bit of a Miss Hannigan vibes thrown in. Oh, right. Because she's for sure sick of all these kids. Yeah. 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 Oh, she's so good. All right, outside the DMV, it is time for the road test. They're taking driving tests in DMV issued cars. Was mm -hmm. this anyone else's experience? We had to bring our own cars to the DMV. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, super weird. Les's sister, Natalie, gets a young, quote, attractive, question mark, <laughs> instructor yeah. who looks like a male div divorcee who lives on a sailboat and works nights in a tiki-themed <laughs> marina bar. He's gross. <laughs> he gets in and looks Natalie up and down and smiles. Ugh. 
I I need to report a crime. <laughs> yeah, he is not okay. He made me a little sick to my stomach because I feel like I've been in a similar situation with someone who was just uh, like too nice. Icky. Too, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he's so tan. <laughs> Lessa's driving instructor, on the other hand, is James Avery, a.k.a. Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. What and up? he has, gosh darn, no time for Lessa's nonsense. Uh, Anderson, I want you to take a long, hard look at this cup of coffee. Now, I love my coffee. It's probably the one thing I truly do cherish on this godforsaken mud ball called Earth. Now, what I'm trying to say is that most examiners use a clipboard. <laughs> I don't believe in them. What I do believe in is my cup of coffee. Now, that coffee is hot, filled right to the brim. If it spilled on me, it probably burned me, huh? Speak up, son. Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes to get burned, do they? No. So it's real simple. You burn me, you fail. You don't, you pass. It's as simple as that. Okay. And, like, I would fail this test immediately. Yeah, like when you put the car in drive and start to take your foot off the gas or off the brake. Uh huh. And the car lurches. Over. Done. Yeah. Or turn a corner or pull out of an <laughs> inclined driveway. Anything. Also, is this how he conducts all his tests? Like, how many times has this guy been absolutely scalded? <laughs> How many cups yeah. of coffee does he go through in a day? Why willingly put yourself in the very likely position of being burned on a daily basis? <laughs> uh, the song playing over this driving test scene is by DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith, which is fun because Uncle Phil. Yeah. The scene cuts back and forth, contrasting Natalie's driving test, which is super easy through beautiful, empty neighborhoods with Les's, which is on uh, busy downtown streets and steep hills. Natalie gets to parallel park in a giant space. Les has to pull in in a super tight space between a van and a truck. And Corey Haim actually did park that car, par Damn. parallel park it. And I give him props because I can't parallel park for crap. Like, <laughs> I, I used to be good at it, but I got a new car and I still haven't learned its boundaries. So I will walk blocks to avoid sweating <laughs> through my clothes while trying to parallel park. Uh, and speaking of sweating, Uncle Phil driving instructor is sweating so much. Um, mm -hmm. It must have been so hot inside that tiny car. Yeah. And they had to have the windows down so they yep. could have air on. Oh. As Les is pulling back into the DMV parking lot, a woman runs in front of his car and he slams on his brakes, sending the coffee cup into the instructor's lap. But surprise, it's empty. So he passes. He and his sister both get their licenses. Uh, but not so fast. The DMV was able to retrieve Les's written test results, and he failed. The test proctor rips up his license in front of him, which, of course, as we all know, is definitely not how licenses work. <laughs> They're not rippable. Uh, Les is totally dejected and arrives at home to find a bunch of congratulations and you did it messages from Dean and Charles, as well as a giant BMW ball cap from his parents, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Who call him into the nursery to ask how the test went. Les does another movie trope by starting out gravely saying, um, I have, I have something to tell you <sighs> before deciding to lie and tell them that he totally passed his driving test. His dad throws him the keys and says he gassed up his mom's car, but Les begs off taking the car out, making up excuses, saying he's tired and he wants to lie down. 
I don't, I'm sure I told the story, but the first day I got my license, I was out driving around the entire day with my friends, which must have been terrifying for my parents. Uh-huh. But um, then the very next morning, I immediately hit my dad's car with my mom's car while backing out of the garage. <laughs> so <laughs> great times. Uh, later, while Les's mom is doing laundry, she finds his failed test in his jeans pocket and she tells Les's dad. Upstairs in Les's room, he's listening to a mixtape titled Mercedes Date Fast Songs. <laughs> when Mr. Anderson comes in with champagne and pulls a dad move that I absolutely respect. To saving me 26,000 buccaroonies. Huh? How'd I do that, Dad? Simple. 23,000 for the BMW, 3,000 for the insurance. I don't get it. No? No. Get it? Oh, I am team Mr. Anderson here. Yep. He holds up Les's failed test, uh, but also he was going to buy him a BMW? LOL. What? Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Uh, Les is grounded for two weeks. Downstairs, Natalie's insufferable pinko boyfriend and his goatee have come to pick her up for their protest date when Mrs. Anderson answers the door. How are you feeling? Fine, fine. Fine, thank you. I admire you. I really admire you for having the courage to bring a child into this oppressive world. And let me just say... Natalie! <laughs> Get him, Carol Kane. Uh, Natalie and her beret and her boyfriend take off in her mom's imperious or imperialist gas-guzzling car. It's an Audi, whatever. Back in his room, Les watches the hours tick by until it's 11.14 at night. The phone rings, and it's Mercedes, who is just eating ice cream and rolling around on her bedroom floor, <laughs> which is covered in magazines and teddy bears. You know, teen girls, how teen yeah. girls are. She's calling Les to see if he forgot about their date plans tonight and asks him to come pick her up at 11.15 p.m. And they're teenagers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Les checks in on his parents, who are asleep, and tells Mercedes he'll be there in a half hour. He also breaks the fourth wall to say this to us. An innocent girl. Harmless drive. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, now this is the point where uh, in the movie where seven-year-old me and 39-year-old me begin to be racked with anxiety because (laughs) I'm a rule follower and Les is sneaking out and stealing his grandpa's beautiful Cadillac. And what could go wrong? Friggin' all the things. Mm -hmm. That's what. (laughs) (laughs) He opens the garage and he rolls the Cadillac out without starting it, but then he forgets to put it back in park. So when he goes to close the garage, the car rolls down the front lawn through a hedgerow and out into the street and my stomach hurts. Yeah, (laughs) it's just too real. It's exactly the mistake that a brand new driver would make. Yes. Yeah. That's why Uh, it's like, oh, gosh, no. Yep. Yep. Les burns his hands, removing the light bulb in the garage, and then he jumps in the car and drives over to pick up Mercedes at her house at midnight. Mm -hmm. And they're still teenagers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he rings her doorbell like it's a snake that wants to bite him. He's like, Mm -hmm. "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know if it's because it's midnight. He doesn't want to ring the doorbell, which he shouldn't. Yeah. But it was weird. Yeah. I have to imagine that's what it is. Um. Like, he doesn't want to wake her parents, but Mm -hmm. also where are her parents? Ugh, okay. (laughs) Okay. 
Mercedes opens the door and looks like a skipper doll come to life. (laughs) Hair just still a magical waterfall of curls. And now she's wearing a bright pink off the shoulder dress with long sleeves. So it's sort of like a bodycon dress on top with a ruffled tiered skirt on the bottom. Again, just 80s dream. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Um, Also pink heels at the bottom. Mm. As they're driving down the street, they pass a cop who eyes down less. And like, no license aside, these are still two teens out past curfew. But (laughs) sure. They pull up in front of the El Rey, which is the Los Angeles venue. But when Les watches the valet crazily speed off in a Corvette in front of him, he Cameron fries the heck out of there and decides to park the Cadillac himself. He realizes he's parked in a towaway zone and he says that he needs to move so he doesn't get towed. But Mercedes is all on a Saturday night. Les, don't worry about it. Hey, Mercedes, is this your literal first day in Los Angeles? What are you talking about? Gosh. They jump out and they run over to the El Rey. And like, where do these teens think they're going? This is a club. But I don't know. Joke's on me, I guess, because the doorman (laughs) just lets Mercedes right on through. She comes here all the time, you guys. And he makes less weight outside. It should be noted that everyone in this scene has the most insane hair you've ever seen, (laughs) including and most notably the doorman. It is a mane. It's a man mane. (laughs) It is so big. My hair could not achieve that much volume if my life depended on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's impressive in profile. And then when you get him straight to camera, it's like, mm, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, like a crown, mm-hmm. a halo of hair. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> Mercedes enters the crowded club lobby and immediately spots her creepy vampire boyfriend, Paolo. Hey, I'm starting to suspect that Mercedes wasn't actually interested in going on a date with Les after all and just used him for a ride to come here. Mercedes picks up the remainder of a random drink sitting on the table next to her and downs it. Ew, enjoy your mono. (laughs) And charges up to Paolo. He introduces her to some girl with pointy hair that's going to be moving in with him. Mercedes slaps him hard across the face and grabs a bottle of champagne on her way out of the club. Outside, Les catches up with her just in time to see his car being towed on a Saturday night. How is that possible, Mercedes? <laughs> All right, Shannon, tell us what butthole clenching thing happens next in this oh, story. <laughs> Corey Haim's uh, stunt double does some excellent work here because Les has to dash across traffic kissing the bumpers of two cars, and then Spider-Man jumps onto the grill <laughs> of a tow truck. <laughs> In, in the effort to get the driver to stop, uh, Les does manage to bribe the driver using all the cash he has, which turns out to be $80. Um, the driver releases the caddy from the hitch without lowering it first, and it slams onto the ground. Mm-hmm. And it bounces a few times, which totally reminds me of those not-so-great shocks in the 80s, <laughs> which is probably why I got car sick so much. Or it's like, ee, 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 yeah, ee, yeah, just every bump in the road was like a boat at high tide. <laughs> <laughs> now Les is out of money, but at least he has the car back, and Mercedes still wants to party and knows a quiet spot with lots of free parking. Wink. Ah, crap. And then we cut to Grandpa's pristine Cadillac being scraped to death by trees and bushes 
as Les drives through some hidden lane and then finally comes out onto a lookout spot uh, in the hills over the city. Uh, this was so stressful to watch because Les can't see really more than like three feet in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I thought for sure they were going to drive off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> like he can't see any approach. Oh, it's so stressful. Yeah, it's really windy too and very mm-hmm. dark. Yeah. Oh, it's like definitely mur- a murder spot for sure. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes, though, says her father used to bring her here to show her how beautiful the world could be if you step away and look at it from a distance, but she hasn't been here in a long time. Okay, so maybe editorializing that she has no parents, and that's why she's allowed out (laughs) at midnight. (laughs) What happened to her dad? What is going on? But also... um, Writers, thank you for trying to humanize Mercedes just a little before she passes out and we never hear from her again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she has like 20 lines of dialogue in this entire movie. It's crazy. It is crazy. She's just a beautiful face and and hair, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, That hair. (laughs) Yeah. She goes to sit on the hood of the car, but Les wigs out and says that she should use a blanket, which he finds in the trunk of the car. Continuity air cop is on the beat here. (laughs) And half the shots in this scene, Mercedes hair is shorter than the rest of the movie. And some of the short and long hair shots are back to back. So you can really see the difference. So these must have been like reshoots or pickup shots or something. But yeah, once you notice it, it is so noticeable. Okay, I'm going to go back and look because I didn't notice it because I was too busy worrying about the bag of golf clubs that he had taken out of the trunk to get the blanket out and then never put back in the trunk. (gasps) Oh Uh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So Mercedes says all they're missing now is romantic music. So Les jumps at the chance to use his quote, Mercedes date makeout songs mixtape and pops it into the car's cassette deck. Kids ask your parents. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Would you think that a Cadillac from 71 would have a cassette deck though? No, I wouldn't have suspected that at all. Me either. But I did look it up, and it looks like, in general, cassette decks started coming standard around 1970. So I guess it's possible. Yeah. Uh, But the -the state-of-the-art cassette player eats the crap out of Les's mixtape, so he has to choose from Grandpa's (laughs) glove box selection, which includes such hits as... Engelbert Humperdinck, Perry Como, Big Band, Greatest Hits, Glenn Miller, Mel Torme, and Tom Jones. Okay, now Glenn Miller is the obvious choice here for A Night Under the Stars, but he picks his Sinatra tape instead. Uh, And this also reminded me how some cars came equipped with those little slots to store your cassettes in the glove box or the center console. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. They were felt lined. Well, some of them were felt lined. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I also totally forgot that that was a thing. Well, Strangers in the Night is playing, and I'm starting to think that they had more money for the soundtrack than I thought. I mean, still couldn't get the Beatles, though. No, (laughs) they could not. (laughs) Uh, When Les realizes that Mercedes is drunk from the five-gallon bottle of champagne that she stole from the El Rey, (laughs) she climbs onto the hood of the caddy and dents and scrapes her way through like a little twirly dance before taking off her hot pink kitten heels. Les looks relieved that she removed her shoes, but my dude, the damage is done. Mm-hmm. They dance, mm-hmm. they kiss, they tumble down on top of a badly dented hood. Les finally takes these destructive shenanigans seriously and realizes that he needs to get the car fixed. So he throws Mercedes, her shoes, and the blanket that did nothing to help, but not the golf clubs, into the car and turns the ignition. 
It takes a couple tries to turn the ignition over, and while Les is panicking, Mercedes is drunkenly crawling all over him, <laughs> telling him <laughs> he has soft skin. And then she puts her head in his lap, but passes out. That was um, scary. I didn't know where that was going for mm-hmm. a minute. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Les heads to Dean's house, where we get this adorable Easter egg nod <clears throat> to the Cory dynasty. Don't worry about the noise, man. My parents are vampires. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Dean is trying to help Les by banging out the dents in the caddy. Charles is there and wants to take a picture of Les with his driver's license. Les says no because it's ugly, but Charles gets him to acquiesce, and on the count of three, Les flashes what looks like probably a school ID and Charles snaps the pick. Dean closes the hood on the caddy, and it looks as good as new. He -hmm. wants Les to take them out, but Les says Mercedes doesn't have to be home for a couple hours, and he wants to spend more time with her. And what the hell time is it, by the way? They started their date at midnight. Is her curfew sunrise? This timeline is insane. Thank you. I thought the exact same thing. I was Mm -hmm. like, it's got to be, what, like two in the morning at this point? And she has to be home in two hours? What is happening? Yeah. And all these teens are just hanging out in the garage and the parents don't care. (laughs) This is the weirdest. This is like Charlie Brown where there are no parents. (laughs) (laughs) It's super weird. (laughs) Uh, Dean also clocks something weird about Les continuing the state. Les, let me explain something to you here. Unless you're into some intense kinky shit and you never know after tonight. This Mercedes has a dead battery. (laughs) Mercedes is still passed out in the car. Uh, Dean peer pressures Les into going to Archie's Atomic because it's in the middle of nowhere and you need a car to get there. And his brother gave him directions. And there's five girls to every guy. And not dogs. Bunnies. Ew. Yeah. Also, spoiler, it is 100% not in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's in the middle of like a busy city block across from a car lot. They totally could have taken a bus there. I don't yeah. know what he's talking about. I know, right? It's filmed in Downey. There's definitely buses that run yeah. to Downey. <laughs> in the car, Dino pulls out three gas station cigars, but Les doesn't want any evidence that anyone was in the caddy. Then we see the slowest driving montage of Les getting passed by multiple vehicles, including a street sweeper. (laughs) Then he gets challenged to a race at a red light by two gearheads in a muscle car with Yosemite Sam mud flaps. Les nods at the guys like, yeah. But when the light turns green, the muscle car peels out and Les just continues to drive cautiously, which is something my dad would totally do. I love that. (laughs) Dean is appalled and asks him if he's 16 or 60. Les says something about being genetically related to the car. Back at the Anderson Manor, Les's mom is having middle-of-the-night pregnancy hot flashes and asks Mr. Anderson to go down to the garage and turn on the air conditioning. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. No. No, no. Mr. A tries to turn on the garage light, but conniving Les has removed the bulbs, so he grabs a flashlight, and just as he's about to go into the garage with it, Les's mom comes over the intercom and says, She's not hot anymore. She's hungry. And can he please make her a sandwich? Sardines and pickles. LOL. Pregnant ladies are crazy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Is this really a thing? Did you have weird cravings when you were pregnant? No, I had I had non cravings. Like I had things that made me sick to think about or to smell. But I didn't. Yeah. I mean, other than like I wanted brown sugar and cinnamon pop tarts all the time. But other than that, no. Hmm. All right. Meanwhile, the boys are starting to feel their old man oats. Ew, phrasing. (laughs) (laughs) 
jamming to Sinatra, cruising at a cool 55 MPH down the highway. Mercedes drapes her boozy body all over Dean in the back seat, and he takes advantage by undoing her shirt and using Charles's camera to snap pics. I need to report another crime. <laughs> right. Terrible. Uh, Les tries to wrestle the camera away from Dean um, by reaching behind him into the back seat like dad style, and he starts <laughs> swerving all over the road while being blinded by the camera's flash. He loses control of the caddy, careens through traffic, does a couple of donuts, and then smashes through a fence barrier before launching off a steep, steep embankment and Tokyo drifting perfectly into a parking space right in front of a restaurant. Now, you might agree that the car should be pretty thrashed at this point. Uh, yes, and Mercedes would have been ejected through that rear window like a lifeless dummy. Oh, she absolutely. Seatbelt. She would have just been like thrown out. Yeah, this car should be trashed at this point. Absolutely. Okay, but Les sees that the only blemish on the car is like a tiny scratch on the driver's door, but he loses his shit. And in the background, Charles is wrestling with a semi-conscious Mercedes, trying to get her to drink soda. And Dean is trying to calm Les down with some team wisdom. Teen wisdom. You have worked really hard for that license in your wallet. I mean, you've had 16 years of humiliation, begging for lifts from people who couldn't give a shit about your image. Bless, you've had to stand and watch as all the pretty girls drove off in some older jerk's car. Humiliation, I know I've been through it, but that's all over now. Bless, that thing in your wallet, that's no ordinary piece of paper. That is a driver's license. And it's not only a driver's license, it's an automobile license. And it's not only an automobile license, it is a license to live, a license to be free, to go, to go wherever, whenever, and with whomever you choose. <laughs> Inspirational. <laughs> um, and how Corey Feldman managed that monologue while on coke is a marvel. No kidding. I, he did say in his book that he has a knack for memorizing dialogue, and I oh. think I believe it after watching this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, crazy. he has a couple of monologues in this movie, and I think he's got one in Goonies, too. So, yeah. And he was little in Goonies. Mm -hmm. So, what a great skill. I wish I had that skill. <laughs> uh, Dean tells Les that to live in fear is not to live at all. And I agree. I do not, however, agree uh, with the extremely insensitive and dangerous idea of putting an unconscious Mercedes in the trunk of the caddy so that they can go have fun at Archie's, but that's sure what they do anyway. Not Yeah, not only is this not okay, but if she felt nauseated before, riding blindly in the back oh. of a Cadillac and hailing exhaust is a good way to ensure that that <laughs> trunk is just going to be full of vomit next time they open it. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know what? I, I have this weird inclination to get in a, the trunk of a car and close the trunk on myself because, strangely enough, recently I've seen a few of these instances on TV and movies where they get locked in the trunk of a car, and I just wonder what it's like in there. Like, is it I mean, really... Don't don't do it while the car's moving. You get car sick. That's not okay. a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I know you can't suffocate in there, but I, I mean, you know, it's always like all hijinks, right? Like, I would imagine it would be pretty awful. Yeah. I mean, do it in your car just to make sure you can get out of one yeah. in case you ever get locked in one. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Just don't yeah, have your actually... husband drive around because you'll barf so fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, well, Archie's Atomic. 
It's a coffee shop, like dive restaurant, where all the local gearheads bring their vintage cars. The skating waitresses are scantily clad in like bustiers and tutus and fishnets. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. There's lots of booties hanging out. Dean spots a group of three, quote, girls (laughs) sitting on the hood of a car. Uh, They wave at him and his instinct is to shove his friends aside and go for all three girls alone. These girls, I mean, one of them is passable as a teen. The other two are 100% a couple of 40-year-old actresses in scrunch socks. <laughs> Dean is out of his depth here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know who's not out of her depth? The roller skating waitress that just delivered a tray full of food and three glasses of Coca-Cola to Les's car window. Kate. You are a very good roller skater. Would you be able to skate a tray with three filled to the top glasses of Coke without spilling them? And how? I've just been shaking my head no the whole time. (laughs) Um, I couldn't deliver three full glasses of Coke on shoes, let alone (laughs) on skates. Uh, No, every time I see roller skating waitresses, it just fills me with anxiety because every time I have fallen on skates... It's either when I'm skating slowly, kind of like through people, or standing on skates. And Uh, so, no, this is a recipe for just falling face first into a tray of spill food and broken glass. My precious eyes. No, 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 no. That's what I thought. And I actually watched this scene a couple times. And when, as the waitress skates up, the glasses of Coke are not full. And then Mm -hmm. in the the cutaway, then when she's like delivering the tray, they are full. So there's that. But also, unless they glued the glasses to the tray, she has to step down off the curb to get to uh-huh. the car. <laughs> it was just, yeah it, it's, yeah, it takes a lot of stretching the imagination to get here. Yeah, I hate this idea. I've had I've been offered gigs a couple times to do roller skating waitress work at like drive ins and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, no. And I've had friends that do it and they have fully, totally like eaten crap and spilled food all over oh. the place. And I'm just like, no, don't need it. Yeah. Not going to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> Too much anxiety. I know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's see. Dean comes back to the car and announces that the three ladies will be coming over soon. One for each of them. Oh, that's nice of Dean. I thought they were all for him. Okay. Well, oh. while the boys are celebrating the possibility of getting to first and probably second base tonight, Charles knocks some food off his tray onto the ground outside. When he goes to retrieve it, he opens his door hard right into the car parked next to them. It just happens to be the gearheads from the red light earlier. Less panics and drives away. The dudes try to follow, but instead they just crash their car right into another car in the parking lot. And does no one care about safety in this town? <laughs> People are just all over the place. It's crazy. Mm. Um, We join Les's sister, Natalie, remember her, and her Marxist boyf at an anti-bomb rally. Here's the elevator version of the scene because it honestly does not matter at all. Mm -hmm. The military needs to move some bombs. They need to drive said bombs down the certain street in this city. Peaceniks are pissed. As the bomb procession comes down the street, the protest turns violent. Now, Les and his caddy full of nincompoops turns onto the street exactly at the wrong time that puts them right in the front of the military procession. The protesters beat on the caddy, they rock it back and forth, and Les and his sister see each other and are like, what are you doing here? And don't tell dad. 
Um, the boys make it out okay, but Dean remarks that the caddy sure can take a beating and like, no shit. No kidding. <laughs> but the boys aren't home free just yet as Les drives them straight into a DUI checkpoint. It is just like one thing after another for these boys. <laughs> so Dean says it's no big deal. Just show them your license. Les. Uh-oh. Les comes clean and tells Charles and Dean that he failed the exam. You what? That's right. And the checkpoint unfolds exactly how you think it would, with the boys being pulled out of the car, and then the officer tells Les to open the trunk, and then double uh-oh. But just then, another officer screeches up in his car and says they have to go. There's a riot happening. So the cops all leave, and there's like a bunch of drunk people just free to get back in their cars and drive away, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just (laughs) no contingency plan at all. Just let all these drunks go. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while the boys are pulling Mercedes out of the trunk, one of the drunk drivers hops into the caddy and drives away with it. Les says he's so dead they'll have to bury him twice, which is a funny line. But Mm -hmm. Corey Haynes' face here is telling another story. And maybe it's just me, but he truly looks like he's totally over this whole movie filming situation. The look on his face is like, how much time is left in this day? And it's probably probably late. Yeah, it's at night. He's probably coming down and feeling Uh like garbage. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, The boys carrying a giggling Mercedes pile into the drunk man's VW bug and they take off after him. The drunk man is singing to Sinatra and spraying beer all over the inside of the Cadillac. And this man's acting is just. (laughs) I've been a puppet, a popper, a pirate, a poet, a a pirate king. I've been up and down and over and out. Where the hell am I? (laughs) Wow. The making a meal of it award goes to this guy. I could not agree more. He really killed this role, and it's 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 a treat. It's just such a treat. <laughs> it is. He also refers to Sinatra as Sammy at one point. I don't know if that was because they were originally going to use a Sammy Davis song, or if the actor honestly didn't know it was Sinatra, or if it was an acting choice, but it all works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, <clears throat> he's running the Cadillac into garbage cans, and he's sideswiping buildings as he's singing, He comes around a corner too fast, fishtails the car, and loses the entire rear bumper. And then he slices a lime on the dashboard. And truly, this whole scene is just a delight to watch. Mm -hmm, It really is. Um, Normally, I don't like chase scenes, but oh my gosh, it was great. So Les catches up with the drunk man, and he pulls the VW up to the caddy and tells Charles to talk the drunk driver into pulling over. Instead of pulling over the, quote, juice head, which I've never heard before, vomits on the floor of the caddy. Then he runs the car through some metal scaffolding, launches off a loading dock, and when the kids catch up to him again, he's driving totally normal because he's completely passed out. Mm-hmm. And I also laughed because after he launches the car in the air and then lands it, he goes, whoa, what airline is this? <laughs> Which is a good line. <laughs> it really is. I wonder how much of that was improv. It was great. Mm-hmm. So now Les wants to pull an aerial from Footloose Move and climb out the window of the bug and into the window of the caddy so that he can save this car. And it's like, have you seen this Cadillac recently? 
it's over, honey. But he does it anyway. And my first thought is, how the hell did Corey Haim pull this off under the influence? But then I realized it is so obviously the stuntman in all of these cutaways. Again, great stuntman. Looks nothing like Corey Haim, but still great. Yeah, I was genuinely concerned for the stuntman's safety. Mm -hmm. Like, this thing looks dangerous. And he can't die. He has a mortgage and kids in college (laughs) to support. What I'm saying is he's old and he looks nothing like Corey Haim. Yeah, I tried really hard to get a screenshot of because there's a couple times where he's holding on to the window outside of the car and you see just mm-hmm. like his eyes peeking through the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and and holy crap. I mean, this guy just, yeah, just looks yeah. so old, but it was really hard. Man. <laughs> yeah, really hard to get it to get a good screenshot of him. Well, okay, Les manages to get into the caddy, but just as he reaches his hand down toward the brake pedal, his shoelace gets caught, preventing him from reaching, and then the boys in the Volkswagen see a road-closed-ahead sign, and... Oh, shit! (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) The caddy barrels through, like, 50 traffic barricades before Les finally frees his shoelace, dives onto the brake pedal, and stops the car exactly on the precipice of a gravel pit. The drunk man is lying on the steering wheel, car horn blaring, and both of these idiots are dead, right? (laughs) (laughs) No? Oh. Les crawls out the driver's window and surveys the damage to the car. Dean and Charles pull up in the bug and are totally stoked that Les is alive and also that his driving skills are so bitchin'. Dean throws the drunk man's keys into the gravel pit. Nice touch. Um, mm-hmm. The sun is rising now as Les pulls the caddy up to Dean's house and lets the boys out. Les, I gotta tell you, license or no license, that was one intense display of driving. Yeah, and as far as the first night out on the town with the car is concerned, that one definitely sets the standards. Hmm. Back at the Anderson household, Les's mom is now in labor, and it's time to go to the hospital. But remember, Natalie took the Audi, which was towed, and Les has the caddy. Les drops Mercedes off at her house and carries her to her front door. Why? Are her legs asleep from being in the truck? <laughs> what a weird choice. <laughs> While he's being chivalrous or whatever, she's telling him about her, quote, crazy dream of being trapped in the trunk of the car and how Les rescued her. Sounds crazy. Oh, I know it sounds unbelievable, but somehow you're always there to hold me. Like you are right now. I felt so safe and so warm. I'm sorry, I was such a sleepyhead tonight. You must have been so bored. Oh, no, don't be silly. Tonight for me was like a non-stop action. Uh, When can we go out again? Honestly, Mercedes, tonight might be the last time anybody ever sees me alive. Why? What happened? It's a long, complicated story. You don't want to hear about it. Yeah, honestly, I don't want to hear about it either. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, she's also talking so close to his face with her hungover morning breath. (laughs) Ew, for sure. And then she says, sorry, I was such a sleepyhead. And I want to be like, no, you were a shithead who drank a gigantic (laughs) bottle of champagne and passed out. (laughs) (laughs) oh brother mercedes kisses less with her gross morning breath and Corey hames mouth hangs open like an ape for so long and you can see that gift masterpiece in our visuals 
Uh, Les drives the rattling old claptrap of a Cadillac home, pulls it into the garage while his parents are standing there trying to figure out whether his mom is actually in labor or if it's just gas from the pickle sandwich. Les's dad sees the garage doors open, but there's no Audi in the driveway. And as Mrs. Anderson slides to the floor in the throes of labor pains, Mr. Anderson notices the completely destroyed Cadillac and finds Les hiding on the floor of the front seat. And while he stalks Les around the car with murder in his eyes, he gives this gorgeous monologue. We had a college fund set aside for you. That's gone now. You had free room and board, two trusting parents, and a social life. It's all gone. You had a TV, a stereo, a baseball mitt, a tennis racket, a skateboard, a bicycle, all gone. And you even had sunlight and a window in your room. Let me tell you something, buddy boy. You are damn lucky your mother didn't go into labor tonight. Buddy, I am in labor. Damn lucky. What? Are you okay? How, how far apart are the contractions? You don't know? Is it one minute, two minutes? How close? Too close. Too close. No handle! No handle. No handle. Oh my gosh. I love the detail about you even had sunlight in your bedroom. That's all gone now. <laughs> That is like existential anger. Uh, and then when he reaches for the door handle to load his pregnant and laboring wife into the car and there's no handle. <laughs> wow. All of this is just magic. Yeah. Also magic. Both Carol Kane and Richard Mazur's physical comedy uh-huh. in this scene when she's on the floor having contractions and he tries to pick her up and then her legs go straight out under her like a deer on ice. Yes. And then, like, the way she's clawing at him and smashing his face as he loads her into the car. They're both just so good. And And then she she begs him to get in the back with her, and she bites him on the hand. (laughs) 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 I love it. I love it. So, yeah, she begs Mr. Anderson to stay in the back seat with her and and let Les drive them to the hospital. Les says he can do it safely, and the first thing he does is come to a sudden stop at a red light, and all the hubcaps go flying off into the intersection. Dad tells him to run the red light so they can get to the hospital. Also, big ups to little brother Rudy, who gets in the front seat and remarks how the uh, the whole car smells like puke. (laughs) Because that's all I've been thinking about since that drunk unloaded Uh. on the car floor, and nobody has mentioned it. And, like, Les was laying on the floor of the car when his dad came in. He was climbing all over it when he was trying to get the car to stop. Like, Uh. nobody has mentioned that there's just, like, barf all over the floor of this car. So thank you, Rudy. Yes, I totally forgot about that, actually, until Rudy said Mm. that. Gross. Oh, so when Les steps on the gas to uh, run the red light, the engine revs, but nothing happens. Dad says, it's the transmission. Try another gear. But the only gear that works is reverse. So backwards they go down the sidewalks where they take out an entire outdoor dining area and into hijinks montage territory where they... Pass Uncle Phil, who spills piping hot coffee all over himself. Drive through a fire hydrant spraying tons of water. Just barely make it under a huge iron eye beam being moved across the road next to the hospital. And finally, screech up to the curb in front of the hospital entrance. (laughs) (sighs) Two orderlies come out and haul Mrs. Anderson inside. And Les's dad tells Les not to worry about Grandpa. They'll get the car fixed. And maybe he won't even notice. And then... (laughs) 
Oh, the I-beam falls on the car, crushing it completely. One of the Southern California by way of New Jersey construction workers says, was anybody in there? (laughs) (laughs) Some amount of time later, Grandpa is knocking on the door of the Anderson home. Les's mom, now holding twin babies, says the truth could kill him. But Les's dad says he hasn't even seen the twins yet. The last thing he's worried about is, is his car. Well, let's check with Grandpa, shall we? Hi, Dad. Where's my caddy? Les did it! It's Les. I didn't eat. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, I really wish Mr. Anderson had more screen time. He's my favorite. I Mm -hmm. would so watch uh, Richard Major and Carol Kane spinoff where they raise these twins. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hard agree. (laughs) I would watch that all day. Oh, my gosh. parenting is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, the family takes Grandpa outside and opens the garage door. When Grandpa sees the mangled mess, he starts laughing hysterically. And then he hands a set of keys to Les's dad and says, Here, I had a little trouble with your car, too. As a tow truck hauling a totaled BMW screeches up to the house. Les's dad says, Les wanted a BMW. This one is all his. But Les doesn't need one anymore because... <laughs> I already have a Mercedes. Don't wait up, guys. <laughs> okay. He drives her car away. <laughs> Why does he drive her car? It's her car. She drove to his house, and then he made her move over so he could drive her car. It's her car. This is this is just uh, one of the guys all over again. Yeah. This is the ending to just one of the guys all over again. What I is hate this? this. I guess in the 80s, you couldn't drive your own car if you were a female within five feet of a male. Oh, Shannon, you know that women's periods make them too emotional and hysterical oh, to drive yeah. a car. It's much safer <laughs> to move over and let a man do it. Yeah. Oh, also this white VW Rabbit is one of my dream cars. It is. It is adorable, but it's too bad she can't drive her own car. (laughs) We need to play a little more Billy Ocean for me, please, so I can calm down. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Okay. Well... Touch my bumper and let's make a deal. Thank goodness for that refreshing (laughs) dip in the ocean. And thank goodness for Richard Major because he really is a delight. And Carol Kane, too. What a treasure. Mm -hmm. Well, that sure was an 80s movie about driving. (laughs) It sure was, Shannon. (laughs) It sure was. Oh, goodness. All right. (laughs) That was fun. Uh, you're all going to want to come back next week because we are discussing one of the most highly requested movies from you, the listeners. That's right. It is finally time to talk about Tough Turf. All right. Tough Turf Talk. Turf Talk. (laughs) With Tough. Come back next week for Turf Talk. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Join us each week for a new episode of So Five Minutes Ago. 
Check out our Instagram at so5minutesagopod with the number five to see visuals and clips from the show. You can also get in touch with us at so5minutesagopod at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Special thanks to Dave Quiggle for creating our podcast music. Talk to you all next week. Five minutes ago.